0: This podcast is recorded on stolen and unceded Aboriginal land.
1: We acknowledge the First Nations and Elders of this country and we join their calls for justice.
0: Have you ever been hacked? I
1: don't think so, no. You don't think so? I mean, yes. Everything bad that Everything I've ever done needs- on the internet <laughs> was me being hacked. Any bad take, if I made a prediction that was incorrect, if I made any a joke retweets. that was very funny, if I posted some clips of my stand-up that didn't go viral <laughs> and like, get any views, that was me being hacked.
0: And you know what you have to do when when that happens? What? You report it to Twitter and change passports.
1: <laughs> what passports?
0: It was the change passports <laughs> part of this story that really threw me. And I'm talking like I saw that I saw this tweet on the way home from the gym on the train, and I couldn't stop laughing. Like I was like, "Oh, people are going to worry that there's something wrong with me because this is Craig Kelly, <laughs> Craig Kelly MP." retweeted some some porn as politicians are want to do. Sure. And then I love said it. that he was hacked, as yes. those politicians who do that are also want to do. Yes. Um and then when someone pointed this out, like hours later, like a long time later, right? He then said, have reported to Twitter and changing passports. <laughs>
1: What does he mean though? Like he thinks like he thinks that that is clearly such a breach of his trust. Like the hackers are really getting in there and he's changing a password is such a fucking annoying process Tom, I, too.
0: I think he meant to say passwords, but he was so rattled from the hacking incident, I'm sure, oh. not from, you know, realising that he has unwittingly uh, clicked the retweet button on a piece of content <laughs> that he was enjoying, which is totally, you know, his right to do uh, as an adult. Um, Hell but, yeah. Yeah, and I think well, he simply chose the wrong word.
1: Oh, okay. Then did he do another tweet saying that last tweet? I was that hacked. That was also that hacked. Was- <laughs> that was a second hacker
0: and, I don't know, they're embroiled in a plot to, to both make me look horny and stupid. I don't know. <laughs> That's what's happening to me.
1: That's what's happening to me. They hate me. I'm not even <laughs> in parliament anymore, but the deep state are coming after me. The post was, of course, titled Horny Sister Seduced by Her Brother's Friend. Mm-hmm. It was a 24-minute video. Um, I don't know if I've seen that category before. The sister. The sister. sister I guess that's for straight dudes, right? Straight dudes who want to friend. fuck their mate's their, sister. Yeah, you go over that's to the, the house friend. and she's yep. just
0: like, and he's like, oh, that's my sister. Ignore her. And you're like, but how could I with those eyes?
1: <laughs> Early today, my account was hacked. I reported this to Twitter and reset my password. Ugly stuff.
0: Ugly stuff. He's like, me personally, I found the video disgusting. I was not aroused. (laughs) Ugly. She was ugly, actually, and I don't like her.
1: Craig, please don't insult my horny sister by calling her ugly. It's very rude.
0: <laughs> the greens, the greens, they're now a national shame and a menace. You know, I used to think there was something uniquely sick in Germany's culture, but now I look at our own greens here and think, whoa, what a disgrace to this country.
1: We're stuck with the hosts of Chapo shithouse podcast. a serious danger to You haven't been hacked. You've been smart enough to choose to listen or watch to Serious Danger, a podcast about green politics in Australia. I'm Tom Ballard. This is my horny sister, Emerald Moon. Hello.
0: Hello. My horny brother, Tom.
1: Thank you. This is not official Greens Party podcast. It is produced by Michael the Griff Griffin and made possible with the help of the Green Institute. And holy shit, this week, Federal Parliament is back for 2024 and breaking, it still sucks. Don't worry, everyone. <laughs> They all came you're back to school.
0: To, we we have to go to the serious stuff because you're making me laugh too much and it's hurting my mouth. I have to apologize if I'm not my, my usual bubbly self. I, Is this I just from a had horny my accident? Wisdom. What happened? A horny gentlemen. accident with the dentist involved. Um, <laughs> she put her fingers in my mouth and her implements and she removed two of my wisdom teeth. Um, oh, my God. And, yeah, you know, ground away at the bone. I like to think... Oh. <laughs> well, have you not had your wisdom teeth removed?
1: No, I haven't.
0: No. Mm, yeah. Well, I, I like to think that I have that I'm built different, and so I can just recover uh, within a fraction of the time frame provided for a regular person, which is why I'm here. Um, doing okay, S-
1: soldiering Thanks. on. Was it totally free or that important dental work? Because, of course, of you course. know your teeth are part of your body, and so it's all covered by yeah, a universal universally problem.
0: free. Yeah. Uh, yeah, medical system. No, it cost me a lot of money, <laughs> and I'm like, it's kind of, yeah. I'm like, I don't. This isn't a good thing for me. This is like scary and painful, and I'm going to have to be in pain and eat mush for days. And yet, I'm paying you,
1: paying for all it,
0: this money. I don't understand.
1: They should be paying us. <laughs> they should pay the, me for the, for the to operate.
0: <laughs> I do get to keep my teeth, though. So
1: congratulations! Oh, like you've got them in a little jar.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, in a oh. yeah, in a bag. <laughs>
1: We're going to be covering all the various ways in which federal parliament sucks this week. The big stories, we're covering the latest developments on the stage three tax cuts, a climate trigger, (laughs) and a Greens win on workers' rights to disconnect along with some IR reform. So stay tuned for that. New patrons, Red Dog, Gabrielle, (laughs) Artie, Ruby, Joe, The Jam Ringo Experience.
0: I feel like, hang on, I feel like these have been deliberately- crafted these names yeah. for the purpose of having one of us read them out
1: of course <laughs> what What? you think someone isn't called m hattie into house is that well, what you're saying
0: hey, i don't want to speculate on people's names i would never but
1: <sighs> yes it did alex maria gill pc thug
0: <laughs> she called me a pc thug
1: well i've been called a greasy thug too and it never stops hurting and Kerry, thank you. Patreon.com <laughs> forward slash serious danger AU for just three bucks a month. You get bonus content. You get a full bonus episode every fortnight. Our latest Patreon episode featured us discussing the dog shit Sky News Chris Kenny documentary, Liberals in Power.
0: Mm, have you watched any of Nemesis about.
1: yet? Have you watched no, ABC have one? You? No. I've watched it.
0: I've, I've already seen it. I've seen the so many Why like- do I need the budget? You know, why do I need the black and gold?
1: Yes, the socialist version.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Um, Anyway, it's a terrible documentary. We watched it. You don't have to. We had a lot of fun discussing it and you can listen to that as well as the full back catalogue with episodes with lots of cool people. Uh, Check that out and you help us support the show. Mm. You can also like and subscribe us on YouTube. That really helps. Give us a five-star review on your iTunes or your your podcast Apple app of choice, whatever it may (laughs) be. And we can tease perhaps, Emerald, that there are plans in the works Mm, for another. Much like a
0: horny sister. We're about <laughs> to tease you, dear listener.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there are plans for another live serious danger show in 2024. We're working on it. We'll bring you details as soon as they are all confirmed. But we love we being on wait. stage yeah. in front of our adoring public. And we're going to do it again. <laughs> goddammit. it.
0: Last one was very fun. So I'm excited. Yay. Artists with
1: In the world. All right, let's whip through these important stories that came out of Parliament as Parliament comes back. Excited about Parliament being back, Emerald, and democracy, vegan action? I'm so
0: excited, goody, yay! I love it. (laughs) Makes me feel good. Makes everyone around me feel good too. Everyone's really (laughs) calm and sweet.
1: (gasps) Yay! I'm glad. All right, stage three tax changes. This week we found out that after all their moaning and whining and carrying on like old pork chops, the coalition is going to support the Labor government's amendments to the Stage 3 tax cuts, which means they're pretty much set to go through. They're going to be waved through Parliament. The,
0: the coalition- creeps would never bitch and fold. Not never. Like the- <laughs> we would never do something like that.
1: We bitch, we win, and we continue to bitch. That's our approach. <laughs> um, they're probably going to put up amendments and then they're not going to get through and they're still going to vote for them. There was a coalition joint party room meeting where the majority of MPs agreed to put up amendments but would wave through the tax plan when they ultimately failed. <laughs> Yeah, just hey, a wonderful piece of You miss of 100% yeah. of
0: the shots you don't take.
1: <laughs> Again, Greens probably can't, can't comment on, on that. We love an amendment exactly. that gets immediately shot in the face. Hmm. Uh, here's what Peter Dunn had to say. We're supporting this change not to support the Prime Minister's lie, but to support those families who need help now because Labor has made decisions that have made it much harder for those families we will take to the next election a significant tax policy which will reduce taxes for Australian taxpayers because we know that there is going to be a lot of support needed to help Australian families recover from this period of labour. I love I love the <laughs> idea of people having to recover from the trauma of the labour government period. I, I like... think
0: they're talking about Financially, Tom, not emotionally, but...
1: <laughs> no, no, I don't believe that. I think Peter Dutton thinks that people well, Peter, are going to need to go Dutton to therapy. Peter
0: emotional, yeah. <laughs> Psychological damage.
1: What do you reckon of this little line he's trying to try to here now? Now, we've heard about the reframing of the coalition as the party of the working class, but he's really just like embracing that fully. We are the party of small business. We are the party of the working class. Oh. Labor is the party of big business. They are the party of the union bosses, not the worker.
0: I mean... Is he wrong <laughs> with the last sentence? He's absolutely wrong with the first two. Yes. But is he wrong with the last?
1: <laughs> Labour is the party of the union bosses, not the workers. Well, they're certainly, yeah, certainly That's very cozy there. That's true. Yeah, that is pretty true. Yeah. I love the idea of calling the party of big big business. It's just the Spider Man meme of the coalition Labour for you each other You're the party. And just of like big if business.
0: you, the, yeah, the idea, it's like giving yourself a nickname, like, and you're like, well, oh, this is who I am. Everyone, everyone's like, Yes. Okay, Peter.
1: We are the party of the working class. That's why we are fighting to get people earning over 200k a year a $9,000 mm. a year tax cut.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense.
1: Apparently things got a little bit spicy in parliament. As Treasurer Jim Chalmers introduced the legislation to the house for the stage 3 tax cut changes, Mr Dutton was making his announcement, coalition senators lined up to lash out at the tax plan. So of course as Dutton's out there saying, we are basically going to support this in the parliament, I guess they're saying this sucks and it's no good. The coalition introduced a motion calling on Albanese to apologise to voters for breaking his commitment to stage three. Oh,
0: not the will you apologise. Like of all the motions, I can't. I hate those ones.
1: I hate all these snowflakes. Everyone's so woke. Anyway, we want the, the Prime Minister to say sorry to us.
0: Yeah. Will you apologise?
1: That motion was defeated after the Greens voted with the Labor to sink it. Finance Minister Katie Gallagher was forced to withdraw after she accused the opposition of disrupting the Senate's business to bitch and moan.
0: I'm parliamentary. What? I was was talking about a female dog miss.
1: Bitches say what? (laughs) Um... Yeah, we love the withdrawal as always. <clears throat> I guess my question to you is was this always gonna be inevitable? I mean, was there ever gonna be a situation in which the coalition would actually vote against the tax cut changes? Was this sort of was the road set as soon as they announced the changes?
0: I yeah, surely not. Like they'd have to, I mean, they're stupid, but they're not that stupid, right? Right.
1: Do they still can they get any political capital out of this out of both supporting broken it promise. Yes, broken promise and then while still supporting the changes and so how bad it? I don't think so.
0: I don't think anyone buys it. Like maybe for their donors they need to, mm. but beyond that.
1: Well, it's probably not going to work for them because the polling, all the polling across multiple sort of outlets this week sort of showed that the changes were very popular. But something like 60% exactly. of the electorates say actually this is good, getting more of a tax cut and more money to us is good and that's good. Labor remains at 52-48, two-party preferred. I saw some News Corp. Reporting being like they get no bump; they're just staying exactly where they are, so they're not being rewarded by voters. Whereas, like, well, no, this is this is exposing the broken lie, broken promise attacks, basically having no massive effect in the average voter's mind.
0: Sure, especially. or maybe that in maybe the interpretation interpretation is voters are like, cool, do your nonsense; we don't care. Like, right. we know that this is just more bullshit. Like, I yeah, I think it's probably true that the, maybe the changes haven't had any kind of perceptible or significant change in the vote, in voting intention or support.
1: Yeah. Well for me the other lesson here is the thing that we've we said the whole time for the stage three tax cuts, that is the the crime of changing your mind or breaking the commitment, breaking mm. the promise is far, far less is ameliorated by the fact that the the thing you are doing is good, okay? And making the case mm-hmm. for the good thing that you were doing can counterbalance the fact that you made a shitty decision to support the tax, the statutory tax cuts in the first place and so you should make that case. And mm-hmm. they should do that more. They should do the good things and explain why they're doing the good things and trust in, well trust in Labor's ability to do that, they should get better at fighting for what they believe in, making the case for good stuff because that does actually cut through, as it did during the election campaign when Albanese backed in increasing, making sure that low-paid workers' wages didn't go backwards, as they're doing now with Stage 3 tax cuts, fighting for good things that you can believe in and explain. You know, if you do that well enough with with enough discipline, I think you can actually make a difference and cut through and do good stuff.
0: Except that, like, the Stage 3 tax cuts are still not, a good thing still bad yes the changes that's that's the thing that really frustrates me that has been lost like the changes improve a bad thing slightly yes. and yet yeah like again i mean we already criticized the media on this last time in the way that they like focus in on the idea of the broken promise and that sort of thing but the other thing that they they have done is accept the kind of the premise of the of the debate or like the focus of the debate being on whether yeah these changes are good or, or good or bad mm. We're like and completely abandoned speaking about yes. what the actual proposed reforms are. Like mm. there was that ABC article that now I think came out last week, but really framed it as oh, uh, lower income earners, or it actually framed it as a generational thing. It was like Gen Z are the biggest winners from the stage three changes, mm. which but framed it as though they were actually talking about the reforms that are being proposed, the changes that are going to be made to our taxation system. Not the case. They were only talking about in comparison to the old package, how the reforms, like the impacts of that and that those make it slightly better for Gen Z and slightly worse for, yeah, for higher income earners. And it's like, but no, still the biggest benefit of the stage three tax cuts goes towards higher income earners. That's how they're you know how they propose that's how they're built how they're how they yeah, designed yeah. is the word
1: we're still losers abc we are still yeah, losing yeah still losers Never yeah. and yet they're like still losing and yet
0: yeah they're like oh we have to fight back against, against the coalition trying to frame these these changes as as bad and instead of just doing your job as reporters and being like what are the impacts of this government reform on people
1: mm and man this again just reiterates how shitty it is for labor to have ever supported or voted for these changes because exactly. then because then they ha- they find themselves in this position where they have to uh, land on some kind of compromise right yeah. which is just only cutting the tax cut to the rich people in half it's still four mm. and a half grand every single year totaling $84 billion over the next decade it lost revenue that could be going to make people's lives better. But no, no, the sensible centre, we supported this horrible policy, Mm. now we're slightly changing it, we're making it a slightly less horrible policy. So actually that's how you do good politics Mm. in the middle.
0: It seems like the Greens have been more out this week kind of trying to reiterate the fact that, yeah, these Stage 3 tax cuts in themselves are designed to overwhelmingly benefit the rich. Yes. like trying to undermine that idea. So I don't know if yeah, if that indicates they're getting close to like do you think that the greens will vote against the the change? I mean they can't I guess they can't vote against the legislative changes to slightly improve them, right? They can only continue to attack the overall change. The overall yeah.
1: package. Well, certainly when it wasn't clear what the coalition's position was going to be, the party was mm. making a lot of noises saying, you know, if we're in negotiations, these are the things we want to talk about. We want to talk about increasing job seeker. We want to talk about getting dental into Medicare. We want to make changes to negative gearing. The fact that Labor's changed their mind on this is proof that they're open to good ideas, that there is a potential for Labor to do something better now, so they should change their position when it's mm. terrible policy. But you would argue that with the coalition supporting it, then... Uh, the green support is irrelevant in terms of the changes actually passing. Yeah. Now, when it comes to framing our political debate, you know, I, I think the party still hasn't formalised a position on how they're actually going to vote, even you know, as irrelevant as their vote might be in regards to the bill's <laughs> overall success. We, there's been chat about making some calls for a Senate inquiry into the changes, and I think the coalition is, supports that call. That's obviously their political, um, uh, for their own political reasons. You send an inquiry, I guess you can... Keep the story going. Air it as much as possible. You can sort of make. Do your you mean case a Senate inquiry
0: into the bill to legislate the changes, or like a separate Senate inquiry?
1: A Senate inquiry into these changes into the yeah, yeah.
0: is that because yeah. and this is I don't necessarily understand how federal parliament works in this regard. Like, is not every bill goes to a Senate inquiry, just some?
1: No, I think the Senate, the Senate has to refer a bill to, the, to an inquiry. Right. Okay, okay. My understanding is it happens quite frequently and is Mm. often a, again, part of the horse trading of the Senate Mm. and, you know, minor parties or independents crossbench people can say, hey, we got this inquiry to look into this stuff further. Now, of course, that inquiry will be, You'd probably dominated by Labor and will say these are great changes and the coalition will present a dissenting report saying that I guess we support the changes but they've also betrayed the working class and the Greens will say what about dental into Medicare
0: and and it'll be a wonderful
1: waste of time.
0: Sometimes I guess like in theory sometimes they get amendments coming out of these Senate inquiries. Yeah, true. Yeah.
1: Yes. But I don't know what
0: what amendments they might be able to secure.
1: We could make that case. And again, from the Greens' point of view, you could – Again, occasionally out of these Senate inquiries comes more information, comes questions, and basically, again, it's just another platform to make your case about Mm. all the money that is still going to rich people out of these changes, where that money could be going instead, yada, yada, yada. yada. Mm.
0: Yeah, if the scope of the Senate inquiry is broad enough to enable like an examination or a consideration of the overall package rather than just the changes.
1: Yeah, well, it it always feels like the Greens are trying to in these inquiries, you know, paint the bigger picture and talk Mm -hmm. about, you know, the broader, uh, the the cost of living crisis, wealth inequality in this country. But, of course, yes, the government just wants to focus on this particular bill and not worry about Mm. other issues, blah, blah, blah.
0: Yeah, of course they would.
1: Do you think the way that we vote on the changes in parliament affects the way we campaign and frame it at the next election? I mean, presumably the Greens are going to the next election saying, hey, we should tax billionaires, particularly and rich people, far more than we are. We should probably get rid of the... Uh, top end of the stage three tax cuts changes is that mm. undermined by the fact that we change for, vote I don't for the change? So
0: I don't think that yeah, like I think that the vote on this doesn't necessarily impact that because mm. yeah, I don't think that it should anyway. My view is like strategically, you should vote for something that's going to improve the bad thing.
1: Yeah, because yeah, because the alternative and the alternative in this instance is leaving
0: it just <laughs> as bad. <laughs> is leaving yeah. the terrible
1: stage three tax cuts in place. So there you go. Mm. But you're right, just before we move on to to some other stories, the the big uh, responsibility of the Greens at this point is to keep pointing out that the stage three tax cuts are terrible. Uh, It still sucks. It still involves giving rich people a $4,500 tax cut. That would suck at any point, particularly when our society is unequal and public services are crumbling and people are living, one in eight Australians (laughs) are living in poverty, especially now more than ever during a cost-of-living crisis. If you do that, you will spark the ire of the geniuses of the ALP, and I think that was illustrated in a Twitter exchange this week, an ex-exchange.
0: Max is back from baby leave and ready to debate (laughs) former ALP (laughs) treasurers on on Twitter.
1: ALP president too, the fucking president president of the whole party. Max chandler tweets, what would you choose? One, bring dental into Medicare so everyone could go to the dentist for free. That sounds pretty good. That
0: sounds great.
1: Or two, spend $84 billion giving people earning over 200 k a four four $4,500 a year oh, tax cut. I don't
0: know. That's tough.
1: That sounds pretty bad. <laughs> Labor chose tax cuts for politicians and billionaires. I reckon the public would prefer free dental. He then goes on to say, from door knocking, even people earning over 200 k would choose dental into Medica, mm. Medicare. Labor's changes in state tax cuts will still see the budget deprived of over $300 billion and make things like free dental even harder to win. Wayne Swan at QLD Q- Q- <laughs> quote tweeted this saying, In Greenland, there is magic pudding for everything.
0: Hashtag Ospol.
1: Hashtag Ospol. Now this is so infuriating. Magic I mean that pudding. is a 100% Tory line. Okay, that is that is yeah. magic money tree. That is Theresa May. That is Margaret it's fucking so, Thatcher. I was going
0: to say it's Thatcher. Tr- yeah,
1: insane. But also, and it's insane. It's an attack you would hear often when when the Greens would just say, "Hey, let's have free dental," or "Hey, let's have free university," but. Even in this instance, we are specifically identifying the money that is being spent, and you do spend money when you when you're not <laughs> taxing money. That's the pudding. We're literally there's no magic pudding. It's the eighty four billion dollars that your political party, Wayne Swan, wants to give to the wealthiest people in this country. We're saying take that money mm. and instead of doing that, spend it on mm. something really good, like making dental. Mm. Medicare, medical, dental health care in this country free at the point of service. It's called budgeting. It's called economic management.
0: It's not magic. It's not magic. (laughs) It's just politics. It's just the budget. And how about this,
1: Wayne? You love numbers, mate. you you won the award for best treasure or whatever the fuck. The cost of the tax cuts for rich people of the next decade, $84 billion. The estimated cost of bringing dental into Medicare over the next decade, $77 billion. Now, again, now, I didn't I do, I'm not good magician. at maths. Which ones? <laughs> but- I think that, I think, hang on. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a
0: minute. What a fucking idiot.
1: Max replied, Having a former federal Labor treasurer ridicule the idea of covering dental in a public health system as dipping into magic pudding is a good reminder that Labor has long since abandoned even the moderate social democratic values represented under Goff. I suppose countries like France, which includes dental in their public health insurance, just managed to find the magic pudding. (laughs) And then this was the one comes to, back.
0: This one like comes back. tweeting each other. This is, it's like, oh, Aren't good. you Boys, busy, Boys. Wayne? Aren't you? Yeah.
1: I mean, Max, I guess you I mean, could uh, make an argument with Max. Also. But, you know. What are you doing, Wayne? <laughs> As a Labour treasurer who presented two emission trading schemes, the first blocked by the Greens. Oh,
0: ding, ding. Ding. <laughs>
1: People Labor have, like, in their draft folders on, t- on on Twitter, any tweet needs to mention the CPRS. Like yeah, they, yeah. they literally can't open a new one
0: without
1: yeah Paid for rental leave, the NDIS, and tripled the tax-free threshold. I know you've got to get the balance right in fiscal policy. You can't spend regardless of economic conditions. You are spending this money. This money conditions- is going out.
0: Yeah, and what are the economic conditions that prescribe that you should be skewing... You know, distribution of of funds in the economy towards the upper classes, towards the rich, rather <laughs> than people who are struggling. More. Like, what are the economic conditions that that p- require that? I'm, again, I'm not an economist, but I think you're just saying words because they sound good. You know, get the balance right in fiscal policy, economic conditions. Like, what are you actually saying, Wayne? Because you have no argument.
1: Nothing. And Max points out, finally, forget. Uh, do you forget you were treasurer when the Greens secured free dental for kids? I don't know how you can argue economic conditions don't allow funding dental into Medicare, but they apparently do allow for spending $330 exactly. billion dollars on tax cuts. How about instead of tax cuts, we do dental instead?
0: What did Wayne say?
1: I don't think he responded to that. I think that was the end of the thread.
0: Oh, so sad. Did you see, I mean, this is a slight tangent, but did you see that Max Chandler-Mather is going to debate the head of the National Property Council Oh, my you haven't God. seen that? Yeah, no, that's a I'm thing not. that's happening. I think it's happening at um, the press club.
1: Hell yeah, dude. Okay, great. Let's watch that. That'll be great fun.
0: Yeah.
1: Good, you, Good content for us. <laughs> yes, Godspeed. I, I know Have you always been a right-to-center person, or is that? Are you a conservative? How, where are you physically?
0: I would say that everyone starts off as a lefty and then wakes up at some point after you start. Either making money, working, trying to run a business, trying to buy a home, and then realise what crap ideas they all are. And then you go to the right.
1: And you heard, of course, Liz Truss speak just now, um, Jacob Reesmog. How did you find that? Who was your favourite speaker?
0: Oh, the speakers today were fantastic. I thought Liz was actually really, really um, interesting to listen to. Jacob for PM. Um, <laughs> the MP for Ashfield was awesome. Love a Northerner, uh, straight to the point, and very sensible. and. For real people.
1: Another quick story from this week before we get into the IR reforms. uh, Some bad news about the old climate trigger. A Senate committee has recommended the Parliament vote down a bill that would insert a climate trigger into Australia's national environmental laws. The bill, introduced by the Greens, would for the first time require the Environment Minister to consider. Consider! Just think. Just
0: just think about it. Stop. Think. (laughs) Countdown from ten.
1: C- collaborate Take listen.
0: Take <laughs> and consider, do I want to fuck the climate?
1: <laughs> do I, the Environment Minister, want to yeah. do bad things to the environment? Mm. To consider the climate impact of a major development during the assessment process under Australia's environmental laws, it proposes a ban on developments that will emit more than 100,000 tonnes of CO2 a year and a requirement for ministerial approval for any projects that would emit between 25,000 and 100,000 tonnes of CO2 annually. Sounds like a great proposal.
0: Sounds good to me. Did it pass?
1: (laughs) Wrong. 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 Government and coalition members of an upper house committee considering the bill have recommended it be rejected. This was despite recognising the significant and profound impact of climate change on the environment, including past and future emissions of greenhouse gases and the need for significant reductions of Australia's greenhouse gas emissions. Wonderful. Thanks. Thank you so much, guys, for acknowledging that's important, <laughs> mm. but let's not do the thing that will actually do that. While the committee commends the objectives and intention of the bill, we see you, we hear you, mm. we love you, <laughs> we, we respect that, the committee notes a number of significant recent developments since this bill was introduced. So I guess we introduced the bill prior to the
0: oh, um, safeguard?
1: safeguard mechanism, I suppose. Right. It said, even yes, even though yeah, during the safeguard mechanism negotiations, we were like, okay, we'll support this with this, but yeah. you know, climate trigger, it's guys, we want a
0: climate trigger, yeah.
1: It said this included last year's passage of reforms to the safeguard mechanism, which would result in emissions reductions from both existing and new industrial facilities. The report said the bill, by contrast, would only deal with emissions from new facilities and risk duplicating work already being done under the safeguard mechanism.
0: Except that it does a different thing.
1: It does a different thing. Once again, I hate inquiries. I hate reports. I hate reviews. I hate (laughs) commissions. I mean, just again, the Labor, you know, Labor, of course, the coalition isn't going to support this. Labor says, no, we don't need this, Greens, because the Labor policy that we have is perfect and can't be improved upon. (sighs) In a dissenting report, the Greens said it was critical the Parliament passed the bill to close a glaring loophole in Australia's laws. They wrote it was disappointing to see the major party report rule out supporting a climate trigger, a position that ignored the deep and inherent link between our climate and the environment.
0: Yeah, they <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> but they're-, they're pretty closely connected. I think so. Climate and the environment. Yeah,
1: right? I reckon that. so, yeah. yes, the environment minister should have something to say about that.
0: About climate. But, no, I mean, who are we?
1: The safeguard mechanism is but one measure required to address the threats of climate change on Australia's communities, environment, e- economies. The safeguard mechanism does not consider the impact of fossil fuels and global warming on our natural environment. So again, just putting this in plain English, right? The, the new fossil fuel project comes up. The environment minister, I mean, they they are required to cover to consider the environmental impact on lots of things. Does this affect habitat? Does this affect local endangered species? Yada yada yada. But they cannot consider the impact of that fossil fuel project will have on the climate, which is what the the big, the biggest one of the mm. biggest if not the biggest existential threat to the natural environment and our planet.
0: I have a question about the greens uh, climate trigger bill. Was the proposal like those emissions limits or thresholds? Yeah. does that relate to emissions from coal and gas burned in Australia only or worldwide?
1: You would certainly fucking hope so. I mean, reading about this story, there's the, the classic kind of, oh, uh, we'll reduce the emissions that come out of, say, Queensland or what have you, like, again, trying to ignore the impact of sto- Scope 3 emissions, fossil mm. fuel projects that produce um, uh, material that's then, like, you know, dig up coal or whatever, that is then exported burnt and, seas, and burnt overseas. Yeah. I, I, I haven't read the Climate trigger bill one would hope that the uh greens would be uh cluey enough to work within to point out the fact that that includes scope three presumably
0: yeah but i mean but if and if so like that in itself is a very clear distinction from the safeguard mechanism which only applies to domestic emissions that's one of the biggest problems with the safeguard mechanism right like yes. we're only talking about and again and all the climate targets the emissions reduction targets renew, all those fucking targets we're still only talking about domestic emissions which are really a fraction mm. of australia's real impact on global warming and i that's i mean it just blows my mind that still yeah that's this that's the scope of discussion <laughs>
1: Well, prepare to be even more depressed because literally on the same day, so this is on Wednesday, we got this the, mm. the news story about the fact that this climate change thing, the Senate Inquiry handstands report saying no climate trigger. Thank you. Literally the same day.
0: Oh, I know this one.
1: Headline, Federal Government Approval, the Final Hurdle for Mega Queensland Coal Mine. Queensland mm-hmm. government approves Winchester South mine despite report warning of potential climate change consequences. Emerald, wait a
0: minute! <laughs> please
1: tell us what is your lovely mate, <laughs> little giggles, Stephen Miles, doing in fucking Queensland? What's going I on there? We
0: had a good climate-conscious premier now. I thought Stephen Marshall was gonna save us I thought so we didn't crazy. need a climate trigger
1: because the problem solved apparently like we, we're yeah. not going to approve any new massive projects that're gonna fuck the environment yeah. no this is the premier not.
0: that like literally within days of taking the premiership stood up and did a big speech about how he wanted to or you know told media that he wanted to put climate front and center he was going to increase our ambition on emissions reduction targets it's all it's it's new and improved Queensland labor and yet in the last two weeks, has approved two new coal mines. This one is massive. It's, what is it? So Winchester South, um, Mm. it's a Whitehaven project, extract up to 17 million tonnes of thermal and metallurgical coal each year for 28 years. So not even just metallurgical coal because I know there will be people who argue, oh, we still need met coal for steel, blah, blah, blah. Thermal coal, what the fuck do we need it for? Yes. This project is estimated to produce 583 million tons of greenhouse gas pollution, more than Australia's national annual greenhouse gas emissions. And so, 14.2 million of that is on-site emissions, and then 567 is Scope three emissions when it's burned overseas. And so, that is how he does it because he goes, "Oh, we're increasing our we're increasing our emissions reduction targets um, because it's only to, it's only about Queensland, it's only about Australia, like." I don't know how many times I can say it. There is one atmosphere. If the coal is burned overseas, the way that global warming works—I'm not a science scientist—but like it will heat the globe, and that includes Queensland and Australia, whether or not the emissions uh, occur within our little section. Of the fucking you, globe. You know, I don't,
1: it's, like, it's it's Queensland climate is for Queenslanders. That's what this it is
0: it's the it's, same attitude. I don't know. We're gonna construct some sort of like invisible wall around Queensland that actually means the emissions here, like or oh, we're not affected by global warming. No. No, this is going to affect us. It is going to as the governor general the Queensland Governor General even when they recommended that this mine be fucking approved, at the same time conceded that it would potentially limit human rights because they're required to consider that as part of Queensland's Human Rights Act, conceded that it would potentially limit human rights because of the impacts on the climate and the impacts that that would have on people's right to a safe environment, their right to a safe place to live, their right to safety, their right to life, all of which are enshrined in the Human Rights Act. This mine will inhibit that because of the emissions Mm. and yet approved. Approved.
1: (laughs) <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a whole other part about Human Rights Act stuff too. It's like a state government mm. can say, like, we've considered this, it will be bad for human rights, yeah. but we still think it's good.
0: Anyway, yeah.
1: This mine will also clear 2,000 hectares southeast of, <laughs> is it Moranba? 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 Moranba?
0: Oh, God. I don't Uh-oh. know. Uh-oh.
1: Queenslander cancelled. of habitat of endangered and threatened species such as koalas, <laughs> again, so major threat to koalas this one, the Australian painted snipe, the ornamental snake and the squatter pigeon, according to the coordinator general's report. But, hey, who gives a fuck about that? And so now it needs to go to federal, the federal government for approval. And so it will go to the environment minister, Tanya Plibersek, who will who not be no able to, has no to obligation consider to climate. consider the climate impact of this mm-hmm. massive fucking coal mine. Fuck Labor in the face. They don't care about you or the environment or the future. They're evil. (laughs) Green Senator Sarah Hansen-Young said the coal mine was a test for the federal government minister after the Queensland government gave it the green light. We need new environmental laws to stop new coal mines from further damaging our climate, which is why the Greens are fighting for a climate trigger. We urge the government to work with us so coal mines like this are stopped in their tracks. So So actually that story came out before we then got the report saying that the Senate inquiry said no to the climate trigger
0: yeah do you think so are there labor truthers being like oh Plibersek's gonna reject it she'll save us so that you know queensland labor gets to go oh hey regions we actually we still like coal we're still approving coal while at the same time they can tell the city that they have increased emissions reduction targets because there's an election coming up but then the feds get to say no we are doing we do care about climate i don't know like
1: I, I have no idea. I mean, again, we know that Titania Pluvzak has approved coal mines. She has been time. approving coal mines. So, she has been yeah, approving I coal mines. It. I think it would be, it's more likely not that she would approve this one. Yeah. They'll do it on a Friday or something, or like mm-hmm. just before Easter weekend or something, just to avoid mm-hmm. media scrutiny. But uh, look, if she doesn't, then great. But regardless, she should be compelled to consider the climate impact of this project because it's fucking massive.
0: Mm.
1: And the real climate impact. When, when the stuff gets burned overseas. I mean, there was yep. an amazing editor's note at the end of the Guardian article on this. Said this: says The headline of this article was amended on the 7th of February after it incorrectly stated that the coal mine could double Australia's emissions. The project would contribute 583 tonnes of greenhouse gas, gas pollution, more than Australia's national annual greenhouse gas emissions of 463.9 million tonnes, but 567 million tonnes of that pollution would be created when it is burned overseas.
0: Right. Oh, good.
1: I'm so relieved.
0: That's fine then.
1: I guess we'll wait and see. But yes, I guess, and I guess we should put keep maintain pressure on it, regardless of her uh, legal obligation to consider the climate. In fact, she has a moral one, and I guess we all have a moral obligation to try and make sure that these new fossil fuel projects do not happen. They cannot happen if we are serious about doing something about the climate crisis. For God's sakes. Mm. Jonathan Sree's Greens want to cut funding for Brisbane Roads. They want to cut the speed limit too, and impose a new tax on drivers. They'll tax property owners as well. They want to decriminalise hard drugs, even defund our police. And the scariest part? Tracy Price and Labour are along for the ride. She knows they can't control council without the Greens' help, which means things could go downhill fast. A Lady Green's Council, the chaos costs us. Don't risk it. Authorised B. Riley, LMP Brisbane.
0: Our third Parliament story of the week. Dear listener. <laughs> the IR bill and the right to disconnect. So this week, the Senate passed the Closing Loopholes number two bill. Now I've forgotten the full name of the of the bill, but that's what they call it, the closing loopholes number two bill because this is the one that was split. We passed some of it last year, but then they split off some parts of it saying that they're, they're too contentious. We have to figure out if and when we're going to pass them in 2024. Um, last year was when they they did things around changing labour hire rules and they banned engineered stone, which is deadly. Those are very good things. Uh-huh. This one has a whole bunch of of things. It includes a new definition of casual work, Minimum standards for gig workers, particularly, you know, people driving for Uber and that sort of thing. Protections for road transport workers. And thanks to the Greens, a right to disconnect. Ding, ding, ding.
1: Thank God.
0: I mean, I feel like I only saw a lot of coverage of the right to disconnect, probably because I'm in a Greens bubble. I didn't see a whole lot of coverage of the other IR changes, but is that just, is that just me? Because I've been a little bit switched off.
1: You mean like that was the major takeaway that the media was talking about in in response to these things? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, you can – it's a little bit more uh, juicy perhaps or it's like like a detail that comes out of it that lots of people can talk about. It's very relatable for people in their own lives and the relationship to their job and – you know, probably gets the right wing, nobody wants to work anymore, Uh, sufficiently Mm -hmm. outraged and other people saying, oh, yeah, I hate my boss. So, um, this looks pretty good. And perhaps the other stuff in the bill is a little bit dry. Is that fair to say?
0: Well, I suppose so, but I also think it's kind of important stuff. So, I I, want to dig more deeply into the right to disconnect stuff because, yeah, I think that's been the focus and that's, that's the thing, you know, the big amendment that the Greens won. Mm. uh in the in the senate but the other stuff like the casual work changes are around considering not just like what you are called in your contract that you're a casual worker but how that actually looks in practice and so if you are technically a casual worker but you are rostered on the exact same you know hours every week every every day every week for for months at a time consistently then you your employer kind of has an obligation to consider offering you a pathway to permanency after a certain period of time, so six months Mm. for a large business or 12 for a small business. Um, The gig worker stuff I think is even more, I mean, topical and interesting. This is around individuals and organisations being able to apply to the Fair Work Commission for orders around minimum standards in the gig economy. So things like pay, penalty rates, super, payment terms, um, insurance and deactivation where if you work on an app, the employer just like removes you from an app so they can apply for kind of restrictions around that. Right. If they meet these certain criteria, um, which is they're engaged under a services contract or they perform digital platform work and have low bargaining power in relation to that contract. I mean, I think like, yeah, the exploitation of particularly delivery drivers is one of the biggest labor issues of our time. Surely it's, it's, Pretty fucked. So that seems significant to me. Um, okay. But this is
1: just the right for people to apply to the Fair Work Commission, right? Because I mean, the Fair yes. Work Commission has a history of sometimes having terrible rulings and not yeah. recognizing the fact that people who work for Uber are regular employees. There have been some good rulings in that yeah. too. Again, Fair Work Commission basically depends on which stacked justice mm-hmm. or which stacked judge mm-hmm. or, or, or um, official is appointed to it. You know, Sophie Mirabella was on the fucking Fair Work Commission, for God's sake. But I
0: think that, as I understand it, pretty much all of these changes in the bill are within that framework. Like, it's kind of all about what the Fair Work Commission can consider. Yes. Which is not necessarily yet always made clear from the reporting, but that has come to be my understanding. Um, The other thing that the bill does, which I think is interesting, is expand unions' right to enter a workplace, like, without notice to investigate potential underpayment. Nice. Um, and there's also these amendments that I guess the Greens must have secured last year around intractable bargaining, where the employer and the employee can't agree. Um, that the terms of an arbitrated outcome must not be less favourable to each of them uh, as covered by an existing workplace deal. And so, of course, like business groups, just are saying that said the quiet part out loud on this one because they were saying, "Oh, it really we're worried that it means that unions." will be no worse off, this is a quote from employer groups, will be no worse off on a clause-by-clause clause basis if they dig in and seek an arbitrated outcome from the industrial umpire, which would encourage them to do so. So I guess they're saying, oh, it will stop unions from like just negotiating in good faith. But it's like, but if, if they know that they're going to get a good outcome from that process that they're not going to get from negotiating with their employer because their employer is not willing to fucking improve their conditions, mm. then they surely should be able to do that. Yes, we want to, to punish be people
1: off. for sticking in. We want to um, yeah weaken unions and workers' bargaining yeah. power by punishing <laughs> punishing them power. for uh, yes for for sticking to their guns and and going to the tribunal yeah
0: yeah, yeah um, but one of the funnier like a lot of these kind of these parts of the bill were weakened by None other than Mr. David Pocock, our our hot precious king being (laughs) anti-worker. And the funniest part, the most confusing part about this as well is that the key player on the green side, pro-worker Pocock, (laughs) (laughs) we've got Barbara Pocock, the good Pocock, and then we've got David Pocock also in the Senate. Uh, who's the anti-worker Pocock? Oh, so no. I'll try not to confuse everyone just by referring to Pocock because I do that <laughs> thing where I, I separate them in my brain without realizing that it's the same name. but it was literally it was the two Pococks. Going up against each other, one for there the worker, one for the bosses. There are two Pococks inside
1: you. Yes. Yeah. Which way, Pocock? <laughs>
0: Which way, Pocock?
1: So, yeah. So, what's his deal? Why? Why does well, he? What's his concerns?
0: Yeah, I guess this guy's anti-worker. I mean, and someone pointed out someone was Hang like, on, "A teal, oh,
1: an independent with deal. no class politics whatsoever." I are know, you serious? But
0: the funniest thing is, so I saw. Some, I can't remember who now, but someone tweeted like, "Oh, uh, David Pocock being pro-unemployed." but anti-worker is so interesting. Interesting. And it's true, like, because he's all, you know, he's, like, raised the rate and support unemployed workers, but then when they're employed, he's like, no, no rights. I don't (laughs) know if that's, like, a teal, like, a rich kind of, yeah, no class politics thing of being like, oh, the poor, the poor povo unemployed, but, Mm. like. Fuck the worker. I don't
1: know. What is his sympathies? Much more aligning with small business owners, yeah. I assume. He's right. he's
0: been all like, oh, we need to retain flexibility and make it fair ah, and the right the balance. It's all about flexibility, blah blah blah. I had a look at his press conference. Uh, sorry, his press release on his mm. website about the amendments that he had secured to quote preserve flexibility because he. <sighs> it looks like he he kind of was the key swing. Um, senator on this for for a long time and the Greens had to negotiate with him Mm. and he only agreed to finally support the bill with a bunch of amendments including ones co-sponsored by Jackie Lambie who was also extremely anti-worker on this Mm. Um, including Okay. All of this isn't the full, even the full list. These were just a few that I picked out. So de- delaying the commencement of the casual path to permanency provisions for six months, clarifying Great. that an, an employer may be able to offer or refuse to offer work to a casual employee. So basically, like yeah, that retaining that saying that they can just refuse to offer work. um... Make it simpler for businesses, especially small businesses, to refuse casual conversion by removing the requirement to provide a detailed statement of reasons. So they can just refuse without providing any detailed statement of reasons. Great.
1: And that Mm -hmm. got through?
0: Yep, allow employees to refuse an employee request for conversion on, quote, fair and reasonable operational grounds. This sort of gets depressing, right, because it's like you read about all these changes and then once you start looking into the details, you're like, oh, they were actually just whittled away to the point that they're effectively useless. Great. um, By people like David Pocock. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Uh, He also made it so those gig worker provisions, you know, the three criteria that I mentioned that they would need to, that they can meet to become um, eligible to apply for those conditions etc he uh. made it so that they need to meet at least two of those rather than one which was the initial initial proposal uh. and he also said that the whole bill and particularly the right to disconnect uh. as negotiated by the greens should be reviewed after 2 years and also the right to disconnect should be delayed for small businesses for 18 months uh. Um, which is interesting because that then leaves what, like six months of operation for small businesses before he then wants it to be reviewed. It has to be reviewed within <laughs> oh, two really. years, by the way. So
1: What honestly, a hellish 18 months guy. it's going to be, too. Your phone's going to be blowing up at every fucking opportunity. <laughs> oh my God. Your, yeah. Your
0: boss. yeah. yeah. And then you so, get this
1: is just a text to let you know I fucking hate these new laws. Yeah. You're, hey, you're my slave. Hey.
0: <laughs> Sending memes, like the worst <laughs> memes possible. And you're like, ah. Why, David Pocock, why? I want to disconnect. <laughs> <laughs> um Ugh. anyway, so that was pretty cooked. But onto the right to disconnect. How do you I mean, do you have an initial take on this whole right to disconnect thing? Like how do you understand it?
1: Lazy, lazy, Everyone, no one wants to work anymore. No one
0: wants to work anymore. People
1: want to have their own lives outside of Mm -hmm. work hours and not be constantly answering emails and texts from their employer and it's laziness and it's not how you get excellence or innovation,
0: people. That's it. And that's the show, everybody. We're serious danger. Well, (laughs) I, again, I think a lot of people have misinterpreted, including me, like I didn't understand until I looked more closely this how the right to disconnect works. So what it is, it is effectively like a legal right to ignore contact outside of working hours without compensation. So you can't, an employee, it just means that an employee can't be punished for ignoring that kind of contact and that they could raise a complaint about that kind of contact. But the way that it uh, makes this change is by creating a national standard that new awards and agreements would need to comply with. So that means that your existing award or agreement, if it doesn't have that, like it doesn't, you, it doesn't come into effect immediately, you would need to go back to the Fair Work Commission uh. to review whether it's in accordance with these, with these new national standards. And it also still includes, crucially, a bunch of reasonable grounds for contact out of hours that the Fair Work Commission could consider, including, for example, if you're paid for it, which a yes. lot of positions are. Um, they might have an allowance for this understanding that you'll likely be contacted outside of hours. Or if it's in your job description, in your contract, if it's legally required, like if there's kind of an obligation to to contact you under an existing law, Hmm. if it's an emergency, if there's a change of work conditions or hours. So a lot of people being like, oh, great, so you show up to the wrong job site at 8 a.m. because your boss isn't allowed to contact you or you are a casual and you don't get you know, they can't contact you about changing shifts or anything. No, that is obviously a reasonable ground for contact. One thing I thought was interesting, though, is, yeah, like the Fair Work Commission also has to consider things like what your caring responsibilities are. Right. So in theory, yeah, like if you, pretend, if you have caring responsibilities, you might be more likely... To get a a favourable ruling from the commission about what's unreasonable contact um, Mm. than if you didn't.
1: Does that include if you don't care about your job and uh, you don't want to have to be thinking about it outside of the? That was very clear
0: in the legislation (laughs) that the commission has to consider that. That's right.
1: I'm sorry you've emailed me and I I don't care. So I, don't I will care. not be addressing this Your until Honor. 9 a.m. tomorrow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what they call them, right? I have it
1: out. Dismissed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do not care. Um, so these were really, yeah, these reforms, these amendments were championed by Barbara C- Pocock, because I guess she's is that she's IR spokesperson for the Greens portfolio yes. holder in the Senate. Yep. Um, I had a look at her speech moving these amendments in the Senate this week. Um, and the kind of context that she gave, she said, quote, Eliz- Elizabeth Broderick's recent review of workplace culture in EY, I guess that's Ernst & Young, found mm-hmm. that about one third of their employees were working 51 or more hours a week, at least one week out of every four. This competitive culture, which, which affects so many workplaces now, and it certainly impacts the culture faced by many casual and part-time workers is intensified by technology that makes workers always available where the culture is never say no. Uh. So there's a lot of – frame. like the Greens have been running a campaign on this for a while and I think it particularly they they started pushing for it in the context of, of COVID where more people working from home, more people have alternative kind of methods of arrangement. Everyone has smartphones. You have email on your phone. Your boss has your number. There's a lot of this thing about technology. Like, do, I mean do you think that that's true? That there is a new culture of you're expected to be more on call, more available than in the past.
1: Well, certainly, again, disclaimer, I don't have a real job. I'm a comedian. Yeah, what do but you know? Why am I asking you? you why, why the fuck about it? But certainly, I mean you see you see interviews with, you know, business psychos who are like, when I'm when I'm interviewing new employee potential employees, mm. I'll send them a text. And yes. if they don't reply within half an hour I'm like, You're not committed That's enough. Fucking
0: insane. It's like
1: that that hopefully these laws will do something to address that kind of psychopathy because it is a cancer upon this world. Obviously any reasonable contact outside of Work, that's not a problem. That's not a problem that we're talking yeah. about. The problem is when someone is hounded, and certainly in these, you know, in the finance sector. Not that I'm too concerned about the uh, the welfare, the welfare of <laughs> people working in finance, but you know, lots of people who are exploited and hassled by their boss, who are um, beaten by hustle culture, and are told that they're lucky to have a job, and they should their lives should be dedicating to dedicated to increasing the profit margins of the massive corporation they work for. Means that yes, that the, there are no lines being drawn, and the separation between um, work and at home is is mm. is disappearing. You know.
0: Well, clearly you don't care about our economy, Tom. Sorry. Um, <laughs> because according to Business Council of Australia, um, <laughs> the, yeah, Business Council of Australia chief Brand Black.
1: Mr. Black, amazing name. Yes, amazing name
0: right to disconnect amendment and said that the change was going to be quote enormously difficult to work through in practice. I think he also said something about it ruining the economy. I don't have the quote here. He also was talking about uh, said that it would flow onto consumer prices and specifically said quote, the price of the pizza goes up. If this goes wrong, um, <laughs> which <is> very concerning, <laughs> you know, if I knew that. um, Also, the Minerals Council of Australia was in on this. Everybody, every employer group was out there being like, of this course. is so fucked. Um, She said that this would make doing business more expensive in Australia. DoorDash, uh, this is on the overall bill itself, DoorDash, you know, the employer of gig workers, said that the company was, quote, disappointed that oh, the no. Parliament did not adopt more amendments to protect the flexibility of gig workers. That's kind of going back on that. But, I mean, yeah, like... Business groups freaking out always make me think that we're making some progress, but then I'm like, is it just that, yeah, it is just so hard to make any gains on workers' rights that even the tiniest, the the most minor of reforms spark, like, prompt this sort of 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 outrage and pushback?
1: Of course. It's it's DEF CON- Whatever the most important DefCon is, DefCon won on every single movement towards increasing workers' rights. Again, if these people were around in the 1940s, they'd be opposing the weekend. Um, mm. It's it's funny, like you can't take anything they say seriously because they're not coming to any of this with a sense of good faith, and they're just um, backing in their own class interests. Can we point yeah. out the fact that I guess Brand Black, his his name is Mister Black, Mister Black.
0: I don't understand the reference.
1: Well, you weren't allowed to watch. Sorry, the not millennial it was trash. enough. Yeah. Gentlemen, go evil.
0: Um, well yeah, i like that. Yes, you're right. They're just, they're nutsos, they would oppose anything. Um, but even the response, I mean, the response from people on Twitter was was interesting. Um Adam Bant tweeted about it. Let me just huh. open this tweet, see what exactly he said. And this tweet just went off. Like it had so many people in the replies, it had hundreds and hundreds of quote tweets. Adam said, if you've been asked to answer an email, take a call, or edit a doc on your day off, then this one's for you. The Greens have just won you the right to disconnect. Now you'll have the right to ignore your boss when you clock off. Pretty chill. (laughs) It's got 872 replies. And, yeah, like the replies are just, I mean, there are I think towards the later stages there are people coming in and being like, why the fuck are people upset about this? This is actually Mm. good. But there are a significant number of people just doing the general, like, oh, of course, you would say that lazy greens. You, none of your supporters have a job. You all just want to smoke pot. Like, I, it, it's fascinating to me that people would be like, no, it's good actually that my boss can hassle me constantly. There was the. Did you see the retweet I'm from sure a the lot of these hurt, people are bosses? But yes. Hurt? Well, I, I guess so. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But, but
1: it's, it's true. There, I mean, there is again. There is a. There is a neoliberal mind virus that tells Mm. people, yeah, no one wants to work anymore. You should be a little slave. Your boss should be your daddy. That is good. It's actually an admirable quality to just basically hand over your entire life autonomy and freedom to the dictator that is your boss in your workplace, and it's good. And that hustle and grind We'll produce things and we'll make this world a better place. It's well
0: wonderful. that's and that's what our country was built on. Did you see the mayor of Perth who I'd never heard of before? But he retweeted this. Did you see that?
1: But no, Basil Zempus is an incredible character that produces. Basil
0: Zempis. I've never heard of this guy.
1: He used to be a uh, he's a radio DJ, maybe a um, game show host, I believe. And um, has said some horrific things about the trans community and was recently uh, in a bit of hot water, I believe, suggesting that the women's tennis final final was um, not worth watching, was was shitty. Tennis compared to the
0: men's. Well, he retweeted Adam's tweet, or quote tweeted it, and said, Is this the way to drive our country forward? Brilliant. Is this the spirit with which we built our great nation? Is this the attitude which has meant – can I get, like, some swelling music behind me actually? Is this the attitude which has meant good people can work hard and get ahead? I think not. Jesus. Um, which isn't I'll our look- national character about being lazy, isn't our whole thing? <laughs> yeah, that we I don't, don't – we, don't, chill we chill out, fuck around with larrikins, we don't do anything? I don't know. Well, uh, wait, hang on. We're golden soil and wealth for toil? Yeah. So- uh a lot of people pointing out that yes you're right the nation was built on the on the back of unpaid labor in a lot of parts you know we (laughs) have a history of blackbirding and um that sort of thing but not really something we should maybe be celebrating but sure go
1: (laughs) my back blackbirding slave master shouldn't contact me outside of the 12 hours (laughs) (laughs) i'm working every single day please
0: Yeah. Um, I just want to switch off. That's right. The other thing, so the other real focus of this, and I guess this is like just goes to show what an odds poll thing this is. This is like very much in the world of Australian politics. But a lot of people being like, oh, well, how's this going to look for all your staff? Like how's this going to look for political staffers? Someone retweeted, I I retweeted Adam's tweet and said, Adam's staff has the, have the opportunity to do the funniest thing possible. Um, I saw someone else reply and be like, great. I look forward to all green staffers getting to work only 60 hour instead of 80 hour weeks. Um, and this was also, this is like a massive point of contention in the chamber, in the Senate, when they were having this debate, Jackie Lambie was going back and forth with Murray Watt about advisors. She was going She's talking about her advisors and she says, I reckon they could do me over, to be honest with you, and being like, well, how how much overtime, how many hours do you think that our staff should be able to be contacted? And Murray Watt is like repeatedly reiterating the point that Barbara Pocock also made when she introduced mm. the amendments, which is that parliamentary staff receive compensation for contact outside of work hours. That's part of their position and that's, that's part, of the deal. part of what would continue to, that's kind of the point of the laws is that if you're going to be contactable outside of work hours, you get compensation. Brilliant. Yes.
1: So that's the status quo now, are you are saying? Parliamentary staff now can do that or they will under this new
0: law? No, no, they already, that's the thing. A lot of contracts, a lot of uh, agreements already have in place an arrangement this. where yeah. it's acknowledged that, yeah, you'll be contacted outside of hours. In fact, there was, yeah, like this is kind of an interesting point, right, because the ABC... This is from the ABC. They said, quote, some employees have clauses built into their enterprise bargaining agreements or individual contracts that they are expected to be available out of hours and are often paid allowances in lieu of overtime. The laws would make such practices the national standard. What I'm interested in though is, yeah, is this like, so is this going to make that the, the national standard? Is it actually the effect of this more likely to be that people ask for compensation to work more rather than reclaiming more free time and I think I don't know like maybe that's a failure of of messaging I guess we won't really know for a long time how this actually plays out but particularly in the current economic context honestly I don't think if given the choice between more time or more money right now most people are choosing more money
1: well yes yes certainly particularly when it's more money for work that they're already doing, right? The, the yeah. choice between either being compensated for the extra yeah. work they're doing, um, as opposed to yes, just just uh, working less and getting paid the same, I suppose. Yeah, um,
0: but like, yes, but there's this clear, and I think it's like it's admirable. It's an admirable kind of overton window exercise, you know, that thing of, of shifting the scope of, of discussion and, and what we see as possible is that the Greens have been trying to do, you know. That initiative that we brought to the last federal election around the future of work commission and talking about reducing the working week and a a four-day work week with no loss of pay and that sort of thing. But increasingly, I've been having conversations with people that it's like, it just really feels like we're even further away from that right now in broader society, like among ordinary people, ordinary working people in Australia, I really don't think that their mind, unfortunately, is on like reclaiming time and more time to spend with your loved ones. Even though it should be, we haven't had a reduction in the working week for such a long time. We're working longer and longer hours. It's really fucked up, but it's like people, I think the the average person is like, what, what the fuck am I going to do with more time? I don't have the money to spend during my free time. I need fucking money. And like, if I have to work you know, if I have to be on call, available whenever my boss wants and that means that I can get a little bit more money to to spend to just pay the bills, like absolutely that's what I want. I'm not thinking about time off. I can't uh, afford it.
1: Uh. Man, maybe this is, maybe the Business uh, Council, I mean, again, the Business Council would oppose this no matter what, but may, maybe the fight is so extreme here because they see it as a sort of a slippery slope towards boostering the four-day workweek argument as well.
0: I, well, I perhaps, know. maybe, yeah. yeah. I
1: mean, look, this is the job of the Greens and the left is to sort of To remind people they deserve so much more. You deserve to be paid a decent wage and you deserve to work less to Mm. enjoy your life more. And I think anyone who was offered the deal, literally getting paid what you you're paid now, but one day less, the vast majority of people would say, Yes, please. That would be fantastic. Mm. And, you know, intellectually that tide is turning. We're getting a lot more trials out there and that's that's becoming a real possibility. But yeah, I take your point that for most people's that's not front of mind because I of mean, course it's crazy, think- right? The idea of reducing the work week is is a outlandish concept to most people because as you say, it yeah. has not happened since the 1940s.
0: Yeah. But as a like as a political focus, as a rhetorical focus, though, so like, yeah, if you gave people a choice between getting paid the same amount and working less, or getting paid more and even working more or working the same amount, like I really think they're gonna go for getting paid more right now. Mm. Anyway.
1: God. Mm-hmm. Well, just a reminder: in Germany, they work less than us and they get paid more than us. Okay, like in the European, yeah. there are lots of European models in which you can get get paid a decent wage and not work as much. And 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 the the and I guess that challenges the notion that oh, we just need to work more and then I'll earn more money and live a better life and keep up with my bills. And yeah, well, there is another way that it's possible, which is a more broader social democratic arrangement of things in which you're not under constant. Cost pressure because everything hasn't been privatized and is you know, every every single company and facet of your life is trying to ring you out for every possible dollar and you're able to have a weekend or have a holiday for God's sakes.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's what we deserve. I don't know. I hope we'll get there. In the meantime Everyone no, deserves to
1: live like a comedian. I've always Yeah, I've always yeah, said that's
0: right. <laughs> We can all live like you eventually one day, Tom. well, I mean interestingly, just quickly on that kind of stratification as to who deserves who is covered by this like are we talking about managers or or staff political staffers or whatever mm. just being able to ignore things the Secretary of Unions New South Wales Mark Morey, was saying that the right to disconnect should be accompanied by a ban on unpaid overtime for people earning less than one hundred and fifty thousand so actually creating a clear like clear ban for a certain level of income. I thought that was an interesting proposal. I don't know if, mm. you know, they even kind of considered that in the legislation.
1: Should well, unpaid overtime. No one should be working unpaid overtime, well, should they?
0: But that's but, well, people are. That's the whole yeah, point.
1: They are, I guess. Yeah. yeah.
0: The question now is this kind of apparent last-minute bungle. It's kind of unclear around the criminal sanctions or the, the penalties for employers who refuse to comply with a fur work order about this right to dis- to disconnect. So it's being framed as oh the government fucked up they were because they rushed this this bill through the senate they didn't realize that they had left provisions in the bill that mean employees can face employers can face up to 12 months in jail uh. for you know for for contacting an employee. Of course that's that's not true. It is purely about yeah if if the commission makes an order against an employer that could include fines of up to eighteen thousand dollars, or I think it's slightly more, um, and criminal sanctions, which could include jail time. Now, yeah. what I'm unclear on is whether these amendments, yeah, like whether the Greens do support the jail time, because there'd been discussion about whether that eighteen, whether the fines are proportionate. The Greens had said that reflects other penalties, yeah. and. Plus, it only applies if the employer is flat out refusing to comply with an order. So it's not just that they have contacted an an employee, it's that they've gone through this whole process. They've been found that, you know, this is unreasonable action. They've been um, hit with an order by the commission and then they're refusing to comply. But in the last minutes of the the debate on this bill, the government was like, oh, we just realized. This includes criminal sanctions. Uh. We don't want those to apply. We seek leave to move amendments. Now, my understanding of Senate rules, and I may have this wrong, but I'm fairly sure what happened is they missed their opportunity to move amendments there, right? Like they moved through that part uh. of amendments. The Senate had already um, done moved on. And so when they try to do this late, they need to seek leave of the Senate, and they can only get leave for something like this, something that's not included in the the normal order of business, if the whole Senate agrees. And so if if anyone in the Senate disagrees, Uh. they don't get leave. And so the coalition disagreed and so they didn't get to move this amendment. They're now saying they're going to have to come back with urgent legislation to, quote, fix this. Um, presumably the coalition were like, oh, we're not going to let them do this because now we want to make it a fight about how rushed this was and uh. how stupid they are and what, what a mess and chaos they are and they want to send, you know, small business owners to jail for sending their employee a text. But it's still kind of unclear to me, yeah, like whether that was meant to be in there, what the Greens' position is. I actually don't know.
1: Uh, have we criminalised wage theft? Has that happened? Was that in the last tranche too? Was that also well, a big I deal? Know that's
0: happened at, um, Maybe that was in, implemented at a state level because I I think that we did that at a because you can only I mean maybe there's been like a national cabinet agreement that then has been implemented at a state level I think that could Def- only th- yeah.
1: I'm pretty sure that was part of this whole this whole IR reform thing was, was oh really part of it yeah too maybe. which you yeah. know yeah people are sort of saying well people break the law oh and yeah you're right no
0: it was be- yeah it I it remember talking one. about it. Yeah. So,
1: uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, jail time, presumably if you, yeah, you're not going to pay 18K and then you're straight out, flat out refusing to follow an order. Mm. I mean, if the rule of law know, applies. Set them the to jail.
0: Applies. I don't fucking yeah. care. I guess we'll see. We'll see when they come back with their, their emergency legislation. Build a jail
1: and send all the bosses there, just for being bosses.
0: Just for being bosses. That's right. They don't even have to do anything wrong just for existing. <laughs> Open a business as jail. As, you, <laughs> as soon as you get promoted. <laughs> you register. Yeah, you get that ABN straight to jail. <laughs>
1: problem solved
0: okay so it sounds
1: like greens win on this ir thing with a whole bunch of caveats and you know maybe always curtailed by the nature of industrial relations laws in this country which have you know you know at the heart of the problem is a lack of union power and yeah what you would hope a labor government would be doing would be, to be far more empowering people's right to organize and um you know, getting rid of the horrific restrictions on unions' right to organise and workers' right mm. to, to fight in the workplace, that would be the dream. Um, but as it is, it sounds like this right to disconnect is, you know, it's something.
0: Well, and in itself, I think we've said before, like any way that the Greens can move in on the IR space, on the labour yes. rights space, is crucial if we want to genuinely present ourselves as and be a socialist party, a party of the worker, like any, mm. yeah, any way that we can have um. Yeah, like being an active and important and powerful and influential force in this debate is a win it in itself, I think.
1: Be Barbara, not David. Yeah,
0: Good. Good. be the good Pocock.
1: <laughs> I'm Jonathan Ranganathan, the Greens candidate for Mayor of Brisbane. The Liberal Party wasted thousands of dollars producing this cartoon of me on a bicycle to make me look silly. But I think bikes are great and I want to create more separated bike lanes so residents can ride safely without getting hit by cars. I also want to make public transport free and frequent, and I want to make rents and house prices cheaper with a rent freeze and a vacancy levy on abandoned investment properties. So take a ride with the Greens. We're a lot more fun than the major parties. All right, big episode this week. Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you liked it. Call to action, stuff that you can do to make the world a better place to get out there and be active. Two little... Greens member nerdy things um, <laughs> straight off the bat here, so bear with us here. But we know there are lots of Greens members who listen, of course, and we love you and you're fantastic. If you're a Victorian Green on Sunday, March the third, there is a special meeting of the Victorian Greens to uh, vote on some special resolutions. These are special resolutions relating to our constitution. I know this sounds boring, but skip stay ahead with if me. If you're not
0: a Victorian Green. <laughs>
1: This will get – well, no, I'll try and be very brief. We had a new um, uh, constitution passed in the party recently that was adopted by the party, and generally it was a good thing. This is all my personal opinion, by the way. Uh, but there were some bad things in it, specifically limiting people's eligibility to vote in pre-selections and for state council. State council, I'm less fussed in, but basically if you join as a new Greens member, you weren't allowed to vote in pre-selection battles for your candidates for a year. You had to be a member for a year. You <laughs> have to, as, as the law currently stands. Lots of people had problems with this initially, but the general consensus was, let's vote for this new constitution and we can fix these problems later. There has been something of a debate and fight playing out around those issues. Some members who have a lot of my respect have been organizing to try and you know encourage other members to come together and say, hey, let's fix this. We want to encourage new people to the party. We want grassroots democracy. You should be able to sign up. There's a three-month period is the new proposal. After mm-hmm. three months, then you can vote in the pre-selection process and run for state council stuff as well. So, those are the proposals. Uh, We'll put a link in the show notes. If you're a Greens member, you would have got an email about this. But if you can find it within yourself to attend that meeting, either – I think you have to be online now. I think the in-person seats have filled up, I believe. So, you have to join online. Mm -hmm. Um, Go along to that and vote for those resolutions. That's what I'll be doing. Obviously, everyone can make their own choices, but I think (laughs) that's important. We also get a message from Valeria in South Australian Greens, the SA Greens, and just this week it was announced that the date for the Dunstan by-election is happening on Saturday, March 23rd. This is um, Stephen Marshall, the former Liberal Premier, is leaving Parliament, so there's going to be a state by-election in the seat of Dunstan. Uh, the Greens SA are in it to win it. Thank you, Valeria, for sending us his message. The Greens SA are in it to win it. If everyone who voted for us at the last election in Dunstan voted for us again, we only need a thousand more votes to win, a four point three percent swing, which is, you know, pretty big for a state seat, but they're Dibble. getting out there. It's the most marginal seat and we need all the help we can get to turn Dunstan green. Um, we have a strong candidate, Katie McCusker, who is a Payton local and ready to fight for rent freeze and cap free public transport and to save our green spaces and parklands. There's lots of door knocks happening, including St Peter's and Martin on the 17th of February. But we'll basically put a link to Katie's candidate page there. I believe I'm going to be helping launch this, this campaign, but I'm in Adelaide for the you fringe. You
0: campaign launch.
1: I it's just me I yes full time campaign Green. launcher. I'm all over the place, <laughs> but you know solidarity and sugars to Katie and the whole SA Greens team for that by election on Saturday March 23rd. SA Greens members obviously get involved and help out if you can.
0: Finally, if you are not in Victoria or SA or even if you are wherever you are, you can follow and support Unionists for Palestine. I think particularly in the context of yeah ongoing uh workers challenges against their employers like the abc firing them for their support (laughs) of palestine particularly important that we back in unionists for palestine someone send us a message about this they're on social media it looks like maybe most significant presence is on instagram um so we can put the link in the show notes but the the handle is unionists for palestine all one word
1: we love you everyone we'll catch
0: you next week see you next week Bye. Serious Dying to Go